0: Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J-10 initiative. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is Father Mike, and I'm here with Father Nathaniel.
1: Yo, yo. The gift of God, the one and only. Pater. No, what was it? Curly master. Fata Natan. It's like pitch and catch, you know, but it's just it's a different thing
0: hey i'm gonna keep an eye on the time because i didn't do that last time okay bad news all right okay
1: start the stopwatch
0: he talks to siri all the time
1: that's all right siri's good
0: hey have you told him about michelle Kwan?
1: no i don't think so
0: (laughs) can you i just like the pickup line
1: we were just we were just at du we were eating at jerusalem we had a great really really good food we had a perfect balance I got the all meat combo and Mike got the all vegetarian combo and we shared.
0: Yeah, it was delightful. Yeah.
1: So we went to Jerusalem. School is back in session at DU. They start around, I think, right after Labor Day. So oh, they. A
0: little bit later than everybody. Yeah,
1: and then they go a little bit longer. So, um, and there's just a lot of different ethnics in that area that go to DU. And uh, we were getting ready to leave. And uh, and I was like, oh yeah, did I ever did I ever tell you I almost flirted with Michelle Kwan? And he's like, nope. So I made a bet with my buddy Josh Evans, who is a podcast listener, and now just moved back to Denver. Father Nathan was a focused missionary at DU. That's right. He's Before married. To, he's married to Jamila.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, an old friend. Hey, Jamila.
1: Yeah, Jamila. You know, and she's Arabic, and we went to Jerusalem. This is all coming full circle. Anyways. Uh, so I made a bet with Josh Evans that, uh, if I ever saw Michelle Kwan, who went to DU, um, and if I ever saw her, I would have to flirt with her. Mm -hmm. And by then I already discerned seminary. Uh, but I was like, you know, you you gotta do it. Yeah. So, and you never, I mean, that's a big campus. You're not really going to see her. So anyways, um, sure enough, one of my last days on campus, she was at the coffee shop that is the bridge that goes over evans oh yeah she was at that coffee shop and i saw her and my buddy josh was with me and he's like dude you got to do it it's time it's time and my line that i was going to give her was hey um do you need a do you need a partner for disney on ice i'd hate for you to end up with some dumbo
0: oh yeah i love it exactly
1: (laughs) But, alas... But, alas, I totally chickened out. Uh, she was reading a book, and I really thought there was a bodyguard nearby that was just going to, like, pepper spray yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, So... Well,
0: I'm sure it'd be hard. It'd be hard to be a celebrity like that and have people bugging you.
1: Well, and it also could have been really weird in case she was like, what are you doing later? I'm like, I praise seeing...
0: Oh, yeah. That would have been in conflict. Michelle Kwan, she's awesome.
1: I did like Michelle Kwan. Yeah. Well, um... Uh, I love that.
0: Yeah, I like that line. That's clever. Yeah. Father Nathan's clever.
1: Uh, I don't think I ever paid up for that bet with Josh Evans. Um, So, Josh, now that you're back in town, uh, Dr. Josh Evans, excuse me, um, I will take you to dinner.
0: There you go. But only
1: you, because you have like four children and and Jamila, and I'm I'm paying you because I guess I probably should take all of them because the bet is appreciated over the last 10 years. So.
0: Yeah, yeah you Ooh, you I do own. owe him. I owe him big time.
1: All right, folks.
0: Well, what do you think? You want to get it, you want to hear about a topic?
1: I think Catholic I think stuff? I think we have sufficiently, you know, like bantered and yeah. it's time to move in.
0: All right. Okay, so <laughs> I wanted to is that how it works? I don't, I don't know. It just seems really kind of mechanical. Awkward. All right. We're awkward right now. That's we're right. getting back into it. Feeling I I'm just seeing the moon. The clock was broken last time we were here.
1: It is still broken. Um it is currently one twenty five in the AM.
0: Well, there's two minutes and then I expect a harumph. Is that the the loon sound? I hear this harumph thing.
1: Harumph is because um uh Lori Brown's dad, Joe Brown. Hello, greetings. Hey Joe Brown uh Joe Brown, the farmer. Um the uh Joe Brown, every time the loon clock because they have one At the Brown House They have a loon clock as well Every time it goes off Usually uh, Whenever I was over there We'd be having A brandy old fashioned sweet And he would say Harumph And that is from uh, Christmas Vacation Ah uh, It's like cheers Yeah Harumph yeah.
0: Oh I didn't realize I thought you were doing something With the loon
1: Nope Okay nope, So uh, live and learn And then get loves
0: <laughs> Really <laughs> Okay were you ready for a topic? This is MythBusting. MythBusting with Father Mike.
1: Sweet. Am I the guy with the creepy beard and the shaved head, or the the other guy with the? See,
0: I haven't watched it enough, but oh. I, I do. Is there like a theme song or something?
1: I wish. I wish I knew it. I could have looked that up. But I like. I like those guys.
0: I do want to do some MythBusting today. All right. And
1: okay. Yeah. So, which myth are we cracking first? Well. All I can think of is Bill Nye, the science guy.
0: Bill, 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 Bill Nye, Bill. the science guy.
1: Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh,
0: yeah, maybe like that. I don't remember what Bill... He's been in the news, but I haven't I really followed. He's kind of a chump. What's your myth? Okay, so the myth... Sisyphus. The myth is... Not Sisyphus. That's a good one, too. The myth is the, the priesthood is all male... Ooh, because the it because Jesus lived in a time when when were... everything was d- defined by a patriarchal society, mm-hmm. and he was Jewish, and their Jewish ambiance was a, a, oppressively patriarchal.
1: Oppressive.
0: Well, I don't know. Maybe just patriarchal. Patriarchal. I mean, it wasn't like okay. So it's it, a it's a myth. Looking back, not just a negative. People opinion. say it was um an exaggerated kind of emphasis on okay on the men
1: i've heard that i tend to believe that
0: and um okay so i just want to uh, well point out some historical facts and um uh, that should counteract at least a very oversimplified cliche um kind of passing on of this urban legend in the church okay Cause you hear you hear a lot that people say well it was it was a different time back then. It was a it was an entirely different society. And mm-hmm. that applies with a lot of different issues, but uh in particular I want to talk about the male priesthood. Okay. But first, to introduce it. I was um having a conversation with a friend of my brothers and uh this this woman, she she's uh very intelligent, uh a good Christian and was interested in but not Catholic. And she was asking me, as a priest, um, she was asking me about a recent headline she had read that Pope Francis is asking for there to be a study done about women deacon, women deacons, mm-hmm. right? Deaconesses. Deaconesses. In the early church. And I think her impression was like, uh, I think most people, probably, that um, the Pope's intention, I think this is the way it's reported, that the Pope's Motive for this uh study is to try to move toward women's ordination right to kind of find reasons in or or uh, historical precedent to ordain women and then we can kind of catch up with the rest of the christian uh, Protestant world and modern times or something like that okay right and uh so I speculated about um why I think he's opened up this or asked for a study to be done. And then um, I just thought this is probably r- r- of interest to a bigger group than uh, just my friend, you know? Sure. So uh, why, how would you respond to that? What do you think? What do you think of this study? I don't want to get too polemical about it.
1: Yeah. I just, but- well, we studied it. I mean, Father Chrysostom Frank was our professor at the, at the seminary and he made guys uh like look at the historical documentation mm-hmm. surrounding deaconesses and the fact the fact is there were women who were called deaconesses in the early church right uh they were not ordained but they were present for liturgical services right and I don't... Are we doing deaconesses? Are we going to...
0: Yeah, yeah, I think was, we got, we was, got to talk just, through that's this right.
1: part. So I would just say that, you know, back in the day, this is what I remember from my class. Back in the day, there were... Uh, baptism was done in the total nude. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, would, you would take off the old garments, and you would actually wear a penitential garment for days and weeks leading up to Easter Vigil. And then on the night of the Easter Vigil, you would actually, like begin undressing like taking off the old person the old way of living um and kind of like similar to you don't pour new wine into old wine skins mm-hmm. um so then you get new garments um but first you would uh undress and i think they would actually like anoint themselves beforehand uh or like take like a pre-shower kind of like before you go in the pool you guys yeah, yeah, yeah. know shower off Um, And then they would go into the baptismal font completely in the nude. Mm -hmm. So then priests, bishops, even, I guess, deacons at the time who were baptizing people would be assisted in helping these people into the font by the deaconesses. Right. And then when they were going to clothe them in their new garments, like the baptismal garment that they would receive... Because the church is the one that, Im, that presents you with this garment. It's not like, yeah, your new clothes are in locker 311, you know, just you know, go over there and get your new clothes. The church would actually extend to you this gift of new baptismal garments, uh, a new alb, a new white garment, and instead of like, you know, Chester, the Greek deacon or priest assisting you in putting on your garment, you would have a woman... A right, servant, right, doing a deaconess who would assist you.
0: Right. So the word deacon in Greek just means minister, minister. or like a servant uh-huh. or someone who's serving in a ritual um, action, you know, there you a, go. a religious ceremony or something like that. So, uh, right. Right. There was um, baptism in the nude and it was mostly adults for a long time right. in the early church. Mm-hmm. You, you have to. Remember that uh, most converts were adults; that the church was growing from a very uh, small minority. So it wasn't like it is now, where uh, people bring their children to be baptized, infants to be baptized. That was probably the case. They had families being baptized, but um, you had enough adults, so it was more appropriate to have men servants and women servants for the uh, for the baptisms. So there are references to deaconesses. There's reference to Phoebe the deaconess in Romans sixteen one. Oh yes, yeah. You have um, something that's kind of ambiguous in um, the first letter to Timothy. Yes, and um, but it looks more like that reference looks more like deacon wives, like the wives of the deacons. Okay. So you have these references in the early church to deaconesses, but it's not clear whether they. Were it looks most likely that they were either that's a general reference to someone who is asked to do this work of ministry, mm-hmm. right? Helping with baptism, and maybe some other capacity, but specifically that we know of that, um, or maybe this is a way of referring to wives of ordained deacons, sure, um, as like a shorthand, right? The deacon wife.
1: So I don't. I don't deacons. really have a problem with Pope Francis doing a study on right deaconesses because I I personally feel like history and tradition would I mean if someone investigated it they would see oh yeah they're present but not in the same right. capacity
0: well and we don't have we don't have precedent or history of any um, women being called priests or being called bishops and um, so this seems particular to that word of minister that is rather ambiguous mm-hmm. so I think the reason he's asking for this study is just to clarify. Yeah. Because there there's a lot of like hype around it that's uh, that has people some people saying, well, women have always been ordained to the sacrament of holy orders. And here's the examples and that's just not the case, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think he wants some clarity. Well. But uh hey, what's up?
1: Did you get my email? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> The actual residents of this house are arriving back, and if not, it's going to be like, what are you doing in my house?
0: Yeah, he's like, who, who are you? What are you doing in my house? We broke in to record a Catholic radio show. We just wanted,
1: we just wanted your booze and Sour Patch Kids.
0: We'll take it. Good to see you. Okay, so um, I think he's just going to have that clarified. I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed when they read that stuff. But yeah. it's going to be helpful to everyone just mm-hmm. to know, here's the facts. Here's, you know, the really legit historians, not like armchair historians who are getting excited, who
1: are going to evaluate it. Well, what ends up happening is people see this stuff on the History Channel. Yeah. And it's like, pay attention. The church has been hiding deaconesses for years. Thousands and thousands
0: of years. Exactly.
1: And then it's just like, whatever. Tune in next week for the Loch Ness Monster.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Okay, we got to clarify some of these things. So uh, that's good to clarify. But uh, it brings up this question, why do we have male priests? Yeah. Why are our priests only taken from baptized men?
1: Because of the patriarchal society okay. at the time of Christ. Well,
0: that's one of the explanations that people give these sure. days. Sure, yeah. Um, what What would you say is a better explanation?
1: Well, it's interesting. I think that uh, I've heard people say this, that actually in Jewish... Like, the Jewish lineage is matrilineal, not patrilineal, um, because they acknowledge in some way the the need for the women who engender in the young men faith.
0: That's true. You're Jewish if your mother's Jewish. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, um, So that's the first thing. The other thing is Jesus is God and could have chosen women. Mm-hmm. And uh, the explanation that Mother Teresa gives, St. Teresa of Calcutta, excuse me, yes. uh, she says that if Jesus...
0: This just happened, by the way, and I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. Canonization of Mother Teresa.
1: It was awesome. Um, uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta says, if Jesus did not choose his own mother, who would have been the perfect priest, mm. candidate, if yeah. what we're looking for is, you know, like... The best well, Christian. Best Christian. The best
0: follower of Jesus. Yes. She's right there.
1: She's right there. Then he should have chosen her. Yeah. And in fact, um, a lot of his followers were women. So yeah.
0: Mary Magdalene was given the grace of being the first to witness mm-hmm. the resurrected Jesus. And she had a, a better response of faith, I think, than the apostles who couldn't believe her when she came back and said, He's yeah. risen. I mean, there's a lot of great examples of leaders. Uh, of women leaders in the New Testament and in, uh, and in the Old Testament. So this is kind of like what the popes have gone back to recently when they've been pushed on this issue of women's ordination. They say, we can't change the precedent set by Jesus. True. Our religion is supposed to be the religion Jesus founded. And we believe that that's the case. What we're doing is exactly what Jesus intended, what he asked for us to do, and what he uh, started, the religion he founded. And we're just carrying that on. We can't change anything. Pope can't change anything. Um, a whole voting body of ecumenical, I don't know, everybody together voting cannot change anything. Mm-hmm. The local priest at your parish cannot change anything. This is supposed to be carrying on the tradition of the religion that Jesus
1: What What exactly do you mean by local priest can't change anything? If you say that...
0: If he can change the mass times... You're a pastor. Just <sighs> be careful. My I'm, people, I'm my people, listen,
1: people to... listen to this stuff.
0: I know. I don't want to get you in trouble. He can't
1: change anything dogmatic.
0: Right. He can't ordain women. Uh That's right. Because Jesus had all these disciples to choose from, and he chose 12 men to be his priests. And he prayed about
1: it. Like, yeah. it says Jesus went up on top of the mountain, and he chose, after a long period of prayer, and he chose 12. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's probably like you know, maybe, you know, we could do half and half, seven and five. Yeah. Well, no.
0: okay, so then this is the argument that comes in. People say, okay, Jesus just knew that at that time, people couldn't accept this. They couldn't have women leaders. Oh, I see, yeah. Because they wouldn't follow them. They didn't respect them in that culture. Right. They didn't They didn't hold positions of leadership that way. And they it wouldn't have made sense, and it wouldn't have worked. But Jesus taught in a way that was so inclusive and with equal dignity and uh, empowering to women that he must have intended that eventually we'd figure out, we get to a point in history when this would work and then women would be recognized as Mm -hmm. priests or, you know, and I think that's kind of where the Anglicans have gone, where some of the higher Protestants who are really thoughtful and want to be traditional. But also, say, you know, they've uh, started the, the women's ordination thing. Yeah. Okay, so that comes with the assumption that first century was patriarchal, necessarily patriarchal, mm-hmm. and that the religious context was always patriarchal. So this is where I want to go myth busters. boom. Okay. Now, Jesus was moving out of, um, or was living out of the Jewish Tradition. Mm-hmm. He's he's a good Jew, and in the Jewish tradition, there are only men priests. But in the Old Testament times and throughout ancient history, you know I'm, I, I'm a religious historian. Throughout ancient history, all of the neighboring um, empires, countries, um, what I don't know what you would call them, political orders. Uh-huh. Um, they weren't nations as such, but. Uh, every other culture, Romans, right? They Turks. had they had particular religions, but in every one of those, you had both men and women as priests. There was not there was not a single one. I am talking Egyptian, uh, Mesopotamian, Canaanite, Hittite, Phoenician, hmm. uh, Ugarit. Everyone around Israel has women and men priests. Okay, and uh, there was There is not a thought in their mind that one was better than the other or one was different than the other. There's just, that's just reality. You had, you had women um, who typically, for the most part, served in shrines for goddesses and then men who served in shrines for, um, for the male gods, right? Makes sense. Sometimes they were mixed and, um, and then like, power structures were mixed. You never knew like, who was in charge. It just depended on like, how they organized their own... Um, kind of election or appointment from governors or something like this, okay? But you have priests that are women and men Hmm. everywhere, except in Israel. For some reason in Israel, they said it has to be men born of the line of Aaron, right? So the historians speculate that's probably because Yahweh was a male god, and so they had a male priesthood serving that male god and then all the people in that area hmm. and in that nation worshiped that one particular god. Okay. So then there were in the neighboring countries okay, yes, you have all of these yep. other things. Yeah. Uh-huh. But then something about Israel's history um from that point on just carries on into like a broader concept of god that was no longer male, identified with a like a gender. But became more spiritual. God is bigger than that. God is creator. God is Elohim, means has the features of all the gods, all the virtues of all the gods, um, male and female, because God is not any longer thought of as engendered. Mm-hmm. Okay? So maybe that's a cultural carryover, carry but it's still significant uh, that God chose to reveal himself in a context where uh, a male priesthood would be sort of established and, um, and kind of perpetuated, right? Okay, so Jesus inherits this tradition. Maybe he just carries it on. I think he was very thoughtful. I think he could have done whatever he wanted. I think he shows very clearly a deep respect for women, and um, he also shows that he's not going to be told what to do and how to form his new religion. Mm-hmm. He pioneers tons of stuff. He could have done that if he wanted. In the same culture, in the first century, you have basically the Roman religion and the Roman Empire. And that spread throughout the whole area where Jesus was living. The Decapolis, there were major cities throughout Judea. And Jesus would certainly have been um, in contact with them. He would have been aware of them. He spent some time in Egypt. That's a different culture, but mostly Roman Empire in terms of uh, religious cult, what's going on. You have women and men priests very comfortably. No one thinks that it should be one way or the other. So, it wasn't like the whole world is patriarchal and religion means men are in charge. That wasn't the ancient world. These were deliberate choices. I think it has something to do with revelation on the part of God for the Old Testament. And I think it was a deliberate choice of Jesus to say, uh, this is is how my religion is going to be. Mm -hmm. And... um, so if you're going to blame, you got to blame Jesus, you know. Now we got to ask, why? Is there, is there any reason that we can discern? We don't always know what God wants. We don't always know what Jesus was thinking. Is there any reason we can discern for why it might be appropriate to, or more fitting, to appoint um, men as priests? Maybe I should clarify very quickly, too. That priest doesn't just mean like the, the best ones in the religion. I mean, our goal for every Christian is to be a saint. There is no greater saint in our time, in my opinion, and probably the opinion of most, than Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Hmm. She really lived it. She is the example of what a Christian should be. We should all be learning from the saints.
1: Yes. There's, I mean, they were in a pretty close dog race. With John Paul? Yeah.
0: Which is fair. Okay, I, I mean,
1: I'll... I mean, the amazing thing is, both of them are turbo active and had two of the greatest contemplative hearts of our time. One was ordained in the fullness mm. of orders and in the fullness of office, and the other one was not ordained and, um, yeah, lived lived an impressively holy life, both in the media both used kind of technology. We should do a podcast on this, good lord.
0: I know. They they are wonderful. I just wanted to point out It's true. We have women and men saints, and that's who we're supposed to be looking up to. Right. That's who we're supposed to be in I think that's a
1: good I think that's a good check because not
0: the priest, even though the priests get up in the pulpit and as our service the to priest. the church tries to teach people. Yes. and lead and govern the church yes. and sanctify with the sacraments. It's not a position of power. It's supposed to be a position of service. Mhm.
1: Yeah. I would say to your question about uh why why then it's because at some point in time at some point in time the church that Christ founded would would inherit property and that property would be protected by men who wouldn't marry off.
0: Brilliant. Really? That's well, what people say all the time otherwise it would scatter. I've never even heard that. But oh, really? No,
1: kind of that's the reason people give for clever. a celibate clergy. It's pretty lame, but it's in the Roman in the Roman world that uh, the reason why they was they was encouraged uh, celibacy was to protect the uh, the patrimony of the church, uh, right. the material goods of the church. Because then if, you, if they married, they would have to split it with their wives. And inheritance. In inheritance. Place. And then if you had women priests, then all of a sudden you had dowries and whatever else. Forget it. Jesus was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, like...
0: Yeah, he was very financially minded.
1: Torpedo this. Well, okay. not.
0: Yeah, that's so, that's lame. Um, I think celibacy is kind of a different issue. Uh, we could talk about that, but... Um, sure. Really, I just want to like pose, like just pose a, a speculative answer. Now okay. I'm not going to answer everything tonight, and I d- I don't mean to um, have figured all this out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of time. I think John Paul really uh, kind of initiated a conversation about this that is going to last a long time. He's like, "What is the genius of?" Women, what is the genius of men? Mm-hmm. How do we study gender theologically? How can we understand the place of um, of men and women in the church? And um, it's a conversation. The church moves slowly, and that's good. It's prudent. Um, so I'm just going to thro- throw out there... Please. ...one little theory I had. I've t- I've tested it with Susan Selner-Wright and uh, with uh, Dr. Dr. Selner-Wright, one of my favorite... Uh, Christian feminist, Catholic feminist. Um, and I have to be careful about stereotypes. Hmm. Okay? So I was going to say early on that and I'll just I'll I'll, I'll I'll give the disclaimer or whatever. Uh I I wanted to say women are m- more intuitive when it comes to compassion, to uh forgiveness, to interest in relationships,
1: mm-hmm.
0: to um uh, com- and because of relationships to community, and the the religion of of uh, Christians that, that that Jesus gave is one of community. It's of compassion. It's of uh, forgiveness. And so I was going to say that Christianity itself is a feminine religion. And then you need you need to get the priests, or you need to get men involved. If, um, if it's going to be human, you know, so knowing that it's going to be a easier for women to be interested and, um, involved that God says, okay, I need to get the guys around somehow and I'm going to give them a job to do and it'll be this serve the church as priest. Now she didn't like the, she didn't like the stereotypes or whatever Mm -hmm. of, uh, Compassion is for women. Right. Or the Christian religion is.
1: Spirituality is feminine.
0: Necessarily feminine. In some ways. Yeah. I mean, somehow we talk about the church's mother, yeah. the church's bride, but I'm yeah. not sure that's the same thing as what, you know, Yeah, women are better at this. Mm hmm. You know, I mean, there's saints that are men and women. So True. we can't really say that. So I got some other statistics. So I'm going to back off from this, like just. Okay.
1: That was a speculative answer. I. Stereotyping. All right.
0: And I'm just going to show you uh, a a Pew study, statistics from a Pew study. Here we go. That said there's a gender gap in religion around the world. Women are generally more religious than men, particularly among Christians. A couple statistics. In America, okay. in the United States, women are more likely than men to say religion is very important in their lives. 60% to 47%. American women are... Are also more likely than American men to say they pray daily sixty four to forty seven percent and attend religious services at least once a week forty percent to thirty two percent and then they say that this is this is a phenomenon throughout the world um, an estimated eighty three point four percent of women around the world identify with a faith group compared with seventy nine point nine percent of men so these numbers aren 't like a huge, drastic sure. difference. Yeah, but I think um, even a parish experience will tell you there's more women hanging out praying. Uh, there's something about it that they get, you know. And um, usually, if you want to get men involved in a parish, you've got to give them a job to do: build something, usher, um, flip pancakes, sell tootsie rolls for the disabled.
1: Yeah you don't like this i i' I'm, I'm uncomfortable just
0: with. tell me that's cool i't well, i just uh this is a conversation
1: yeah i i i feel like I feel like in a way we're we're kind of making the priesthood into something that Jesus is like um the only way that i can that I can get these guys involved is if they flip pancakes on a patent, namely me like, yeah
0: well that's I don't want to be sacrilegious or whatever.
1: I don't want to be sacrilegious, but it's like, give them a job to do.
0: Well, yeah, but you could, you could say, like in a deeper theological way, this is a remedy for concupiscence. When we fell, we fell with particular problems, yeah. men and women. Yeah. And one of those is that men have a hard time relating to God. Yes. Or maybe a harder time. I mean, 80% compared to 83% or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, it's just an idea I had was yeah I look at the church and I see this. There's a lot of women around and there's not as many men. You could say, well we could do more to to interest men in religion and there's a lot of fantastic men. I I have a lot of heroes and the priests I'm around are like giving their lives. We're religious people. But I don't know. It's a theory.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um the yeah, the, what Gronsky, once Gronsky said in an article once, was that God could have chosen women uh, for priests, but um, uh, he, in a way, he kind of says something similar, like um, that for men, I, I think we talked about this over at the Wrights House, we were talking about this, that for men, they don't have the instant natural connection with children like uh, it's they there has there has to be a way, and for the woman, like this child is growing in her, she can feel the the presence of this other. She's actually birthing this child. She's actually nursing this child. There is like a a blood connection, but for the man, there's a remoteness from this child that has to be uh, mediated in some ways by the woman handing over the child and really saying like, "This is yours." and And, you know, you need to now connect with this child. For men in the church, like, this would be even more difficult because this isn't even the fruit of my loins. This is the fruit of the baptismal font. This is the fruit of them making an election to follow Christ, who I'm not espoused to or generated from, in a way— but rather like i'm his instrument through which all of these children are going to be born mm. and that actually places men in a unique place to be the agent by which they are birthed mm. and that is normally the the woman who is the active um agent mm. by which that child is born so so
0: it's like a supernatural complement to the natural yeah
1: yeah. And and so I think it I think it's good, you know. Um I'm grateful that you know I'm male and priest. I mean, actually there was a point in time where I thank God that he that he made me male uh, because that in afforded me the opportunity to become a priest. I never would have even thought about it if I was a girl. Yeah. I but you
0: you've also got a call to it, you know, a vocation from baptism, so. Right, but it makes a lot of sense.
1: But na- grace builds on nature. Right. like I wouldn't receive the grace of priesthood and then God just say well sorry I totally blew it I should have made you male or I should have had you I should have saved this soul for another 1000 years until Elizabeth Cady Stanton the 5th comes along and mm-hmm. you know you can now be ordained a woman all right so
0: right I well I think it is a great gift and we love being priests so um we're very grateful and uh, I think it's just one of those things it's like um, yeah, John Paul said, "Hey, let's explore this. Let's mm-hmm. talk about this. As Catholics, let's try try to think about this stuff and think more deeply than just like what what should be fair. You know, let's what, that's the political correct thing is just don't don't think too deeply about things and find out theological reasons. Just do it because everything's supposed to be equal in every way. And mm-hmm. there's like a thoughtlessness to the whole thing." And there was an invitation to say, "Okay, this is a tradition. We're going to hold to it. Yeah, but we can ask why.
1: If God, if God so ordered the world and the ecosystem of the world and the cosmos, and like planets in relation and all of that stuff, natural order, He sure as heck gave plenty of thought for the supernatural order, and also choosing specifically." Fifty percent of creation to fulfill a particular role in the church, right? You know, right? So, yeah. And last point,
0: I trust just, you.
1: I trust you, God. I'm gonna trust you on this. I like
0: that. That's good. Uh, there is there's a very um, there's a, a very important and unique place for women in the church as well. That's kind of neglected these days. It's very sad. But there's not a lot of women joining religious life. True. And there's m- some incredible influence that nuns have on Catholics throughout the world. I was taught by nuns when when I was a uh, kid in uh, parochial school and uh, there's some amazing, amazing sisters out there. And one of my annoyances with this whole kind of polemic and sort of uh, gender fight thing Mm -hmm. that happens in the secular world and then is imposed on the church is that it kind of ignores the fact that there is a special place for women that is incredible and has a huge influence on the world and the church yeah. and listen i think mother teresa the, is that great listen
1: example. to the dear mama podcast yeah. that was a good one yeah 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 i mean in many ways a lot of, of the ecosystem of our of our church right now the ecology actually that's the word that pope francis is using like human ecology and you know ecclesial ecology um, is off balance because we don't have a vibrant religious life, male or female, contemplative or active. Yeah. We don't have a vibrant uh, Christian and Catholic uh, mother and father, like, um, like culture. Yeah, culture uh, and family, yeah. that they That they, you know, kind of are producing, like, not just priests and nuns, but they're producing Catholics mm. who produce other Catholics. Um, that whole thing is, you know, we're just off right now. Yeah. Um, so... Anyways, I think at the end of Mythbusters, they actually say whether or not we busted the myth. Would you say that at the end of this podcast, you well, have I can't
0: say, adequately I, busted... I, I tried to bust the myth. Did I bust the myth that all of antiquity, or religious antiquity, go. was patriarchal? Yes. Good. All right. That's okay. my. That was my goal.
1: Okay, but we, we said Jewish was patriar- patriarchal. Well... We should have said the whole cultural milieu... Of or kind
0: of everything was influenced by the cultural milieu okay. of, all right
1: yeah I, I busted yes, well done okay you know, there you go okay, sweet, nice job hey thanks man. this is the uh should we give a shout out I guess yeah, here we go. I only have one uh i have a I have a relative few as well uh, I want to go first uh some so okay so uh, first and foremost, there are a few people that have sent things to Saint Francis Cabrini um in Littleton where I what used to be the parochial vicar those shout outs those gifts uh, were packed away in all of my stuff when I left Cabrini I have just unloaded most of my boxes and found goodies that were sent by people Um, I have forgotten them tonight but if you're still waiting for a shout out uh, please be patient because oh no did it do it again we just lose it You gotta be kidding me. I don't know, if
0: it's still... Who's checking? We gotta shake it. We got technical difficulties. What is
1: going on? Uh Uh-oh. Hang on. Whenever
0: we say the word shout-out
1: and start this part... Alright, I think we figured it out. We gotta do this quick, folks. (laughs) Sorry. Alright, so I'm unpacking boxes. Uh, I didn't bring them with me, so be patient. But I do have one, a packing slip from uh, let's see here Alex and Beth Ewing as the dog days of summer approach we wanted you to enjoy the finest ice cream in all of creation Cincinnati's own Grater's Ice Cream please share with Father Michael O'Loughlin and the Catholic Stuff crew thank you for all you do We know how much. we hope you know how much we appreciate all your hard work you guys are doing an excellent job I tried that That was Was a Yeah.
0: I had like a berry and chocolate
1: thing. Yeah. You had the raspberry. the, The raspberry chip. That was so good. I don't
0: even do... I don't really do sweets and that was like delicious.
1: Yeah. I had the coconut chip. I had the coconut chip with... What was the other one in it? Uh... Oh, the double chocolate chip. Double
0: chocolate. It was incredible. There was a mint chocolate. Ooh.
1: Yeah. So thank you. That uh, that was... Uh, we had that at the end of Lord's Day. Uh, all the guys really enjoyed it. So thank you, Alex and Beth. Hope you're from Cincinnati. And mine? Yeah. Go
0: How's ahead. Is it time? Oh, I didn't know. If... Yeah, well, oh, yeah. So I want to give a shout out to the Jungbluths. I have a, an email from Father Michael, and all it says is, can you give a shout out to the Jungbluths? Jungbluths? Jung Jungbluths. Jungblut, I think. I've been in German. Their firstborn was born today. That's, Congrats. That's uh, September 6th, Tuesday. Congratulations. Uh-huh. Love to hear the name. Follow up on that. That's right. Shout out in the meantime.
1: I got a couple more. Um, since we are talking about great women in history... Oh, yes. ...and great women in our present time who embody uh, the femme, the cheche la femme, such as the woman... Uh, we want to give a happy birthday, happy 30th birthday shout out to Caitlin Emerson. Do you know Caitlin? Oh, yeah, sure. Caitlin and Cole. Cole was, uh, he was just like, you better give my wife a shout out for her birthday since she didn't come to her birthday party. Oh, no. I had a wedding that day, so I had an out, but uh, I had to make sure that I got that in. So, Caitlin, you are an excellent mother, uh, a very well put together um, dresser. Uh, she does like this blog of. Uh, okay, yeah. Catholic women at mass or something. I
0: think we did totus to together way back. in the Yeah. Time. I remember you, Caitlin.
1: Happy 30th. You are such a woman. That is, that's great. That is, that's great. Anywho. So happy birthday. Happy 30th. Um, and then, uh, to will William and Trevor. Uh, I had lunch with those guys the other day. They're all from the university of Chicago. They listened to the podcast. They came out, um, to Colorado and we had, uh, we had lunch. It was a fascinating conversation. These guys are dialed in, and uh, they're good friends of Joe Haight. Oh, nice! Okay. Um, and pretty soon, these like budding intellectuals will go out into the fields of. That's cool. I think it's like history, Russian, and classics.
0: Okay, I know U- University of Chicago has a fantastic history.
1: Yeah. Department. So God bless you guys. Uh, go out there, find some Catholic women, or become priests you have the option <laughs> yeah, right. as men so all right
0: yeah all right check Cat- out uh, catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com see i don't do this part either uh, like us on facebook uh huh check out our new website at yes. www.catholicstuffpodcast.com .com .com um right. what else can i say comment
1: oh yeah comment on itunes, iTunes. It's always I don't know what else. We're good. We're done with the promos, okay? Catholic Stuff podcast at gmail.com. Check us out. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Peace,
0: everybody. God bless.
1: Laters.